Hey everybody and welcome. Let's talk a little bit more about authority. Something that I delved into for quite a while on the last episode and something that has more to be said about it. And you'll find that's a theme that I'll be talking about some basics of consciousness and repeating things. And of course there will be a consistency to that because to me it's become very simple and obvious, the levels and layers of consciousness, human self-consciousness, and ego consciousness. And so, on the subject of authority, as I mentioned last time, the reason that authority even happens, especially within humans, is because it has to. We need it. We need it at a base level in order to navigate this world. And therein lies the challenge of the human condition. There are two levels with which we negotiate and navigate this world. Now there's an authority that runs through everything, an intelligence, a program. Now that doesn't mean we're in some kind of predetermined life, some hologram, some matrix, some parallel universe. Fifth dimension, a lot of things I hear spoken of that don't really have to matter all that much. Because these two layers of reality are the ones we have to deal with. There is the real world. There's the natural world of the earth, and there's the constructed world that the human self-conscious mind has created out of it into human civilizations. They're both real, and on a very real level, they're both fine. They're both working on some level. The natural world of authority working automatically, as long as the conditions remain stable, we remain here. The second level, we have to keep working at. And this is where it gets interesting. And this is where our ego mind has made itself an authority, and it's done a really good job at it, and I'll explain how. But that doesn't mean it's always optimal, always best, always right. Because you're going to see when you have a choice between being right and being kind, kind being beyond ego, kind very often leads to optimal satisfaction and more mutual satisfaction between you and life. Now, as I spoke of in early episodes of the podcast, our self-conscious mind became very, very strong and powerful at some point in our early evolution. To the point where when we were in a situation where we couldn't move fast enough to outlive our environment, our mind engaged and started thinking, started putting pieces together inside our mind in order to see the world around us in a new and different way, making something out of the outside world to survive the current situation and circumstances to transcend them as such. And that's an amazing feat. In fact, if you speak to a lot of people today, people who debate philosophy and the meaning of life and, you know, the human condition, a lot of some of my favorite people out there that I like to listen to talking about these subjects speak of human intelligence being the epitome of evolution in the universe. And I wouldn't say it's the epitome as much as it's just a level, another level, a distinct level, a different level. And my 
perspective on that is that while that's true that we have a powerful human mind, it is also the very thing that disconnects us from the deeper feeling of being of who we are. And so if we take what happened and our self-conscious mind having saved us from some situation and the ego being an identified form within the self-conscious mind of, you know, the human species, um, the individual, but also the collective and giving thus credit to the fact that this happened and taking credit for the human mind itself having been the thing. And I want you to really understand that that's what the ego is. It's the human, it's the mind within the mind that just attributes things to the mind itself. And that is a trip, just, just uh, contemplating that. And yet that is exactly what it is. And so the ego at one point became its own authority. Because what else is ego except, you know, something saying, I'm the best, I'm, I'm number one, I did this, look at me, you know, pride in accomplishment. When honestly, if you look at it from a, our whole being, what we are that I speak about, the fact that our mind rose up and helped, fantastic. We don't need to add another layer of fantastic and that's the only way, so we better keep doing it. But you know, that's kind of what has been happening for millennia, is that this ego has given itself a self-importance and we have been living our lives with a subconscious version of that ego, very subtle, and that has been passed on as that feeling we all have that's beyond our natural right to, you know, survive and thrive, is the ego-based right to survive and thrive in the world of ideas, of concepts, of philosophies. This is mine. This is my idea. This is my possession. This is my... The list goes on. And I think we all know that because that then leads to feelings. And we take some pride because it's an ego-based concept in being an authority over ourselves and trying to have that feeling of individuated self separate from others but unfortunately over others and this is where the ego is an extremely divisive thing because its whole job is to look at what's in our brain as information compare it to ourselves and then try and give an opinion give options give choices about deciding on a course of action for a desired outcome that's the that's our mind's job without the ego but then you add the ego and you always get that little element of but what about me what about me and if you don't think you think about it that way just reflect on how much you may have you look at the middle class of our society and then we look at the very very minute upper class you know, that hold a lot of wealth relative to the the number of people. It's not uh, a, gen, um, a genuine proportion of society that, you know, has this type of wealth. And it's purely an egotistical proposition that this has come to be. And yet even people with literally practically no money will defend the right of people with a lot of money to have it. Because, you know, that's part of being human. We're allowed to. And that's the authority of the ego speaking right there, giving each of us that little bit of defensiveness 
an entitlement to protect what we've got and who we are on some level. But here's the rub. The very authority that does that, the ego that has created this material world and therefore will defend it, doesn't know who you are fundamentally. Because it can't. Because you were who you were before your mind rose up and grew in strength and collective ideas enough to be able to form identities about who you are. As I've spoken of before, starting with your name. And then you learn your race. Then you learn your religion, perhaps. You learn things about your culture. You learn patriotism. You learn about the country you live in. And then you even learn speciesism. You learn about humans as compared to other life on Earth. And we're taught, generally, because of our intelligence, that there's an an entitlement over other life and a, a dominance. And thus, ego tells us we have authority over the world around us because we've learned to use it at our discretion. We've learned to command it in some instances. And here's the thing about the human mind. Because we live in a very stable environment, the things that we create for mind generally do work out. In other words, no matter what we create, there's a high probability that it's going to keep going. And by that I mean, you know, we've created money and we use it. We've created governmental systems and we use them. We've created religions and we use them. And they don't seem to just come and go quickly because once they're in place, we all kind of subconsciously agree that they play a role in society. Most of us don't think about it beyond that very much. And if if people do think about it, it's the minority. And the minority is almost always going to question authority on some level. And this is where the ego tries to make itself appear to be the majority. And a lot of the time it is. You know, whether money is a good thing or not, I'll be going into that very deeply on an episode about the actual necessity and how it's just an outgrowth of ego from the very concept um, making ego seem valid on a tangible material level. And yet it's at its root. Money is an extremely divisive and discriminatory tool in the world. Always has been, always will be. Because if it wasn't a discriminatory tool, discriminatory tool, we wouldn't need it. We'd just get along and uh, take care of each other day in and day out. Value each other for the value of each individual self and what we can offer the world based on who we are. But, again, a discussion for another day. But because things have been going along, and we've been all subconsciously agreeing for so long, then the ego equates that majority, the conforming, as consensus. And there's a lot of power in that, as we can see, you know, in the state of the world. Might makes right. There's strength in numbers. And a lot of the times... A lot of the systems and structures that are are enforced not through goodwill and through true dem- democratic, you know, trial and error and consensus. It's actually most often some sort of coercion. And that's because it comes from ego. It's just an idea in the end. And a lot of us, when we stop to get beyond thinking about it and feel about it, We know there's something not right. And the reason we know that is because there's actually just a deeper authority. And that authority is who you are. Everyone wants to be who they are. 
In fact, that's the prime motive of life, is to know thyself. And to know thyself means to know thy whole self, including the self-conscious mind and ego, not from the self-conscious mind and ego. As I said last time, you're not an identity. You're not a concept. You're not a word. You're not math. You're not an equation. You're a living, breathing, energetic, spirit, body, mind, being. Period. You're here for a while to experience a life. And yet the ego unto itself cannot know who you are because it is a limited version of your life form. It has to be because you were born into this life with a mind that did not have very much going on in it. You had to learn what was going on in human society and the world around you from the world around you, from the society around you. And it's again, I'm not judging what we've developed into through the human condition and what we've created from our mind. To me, it's fascinating, but it's just obvious that there's um, an interesting side to it, but there's always collateral damage. Always collateral damage. And the biggest collateral damage of being identified with mind is losing track of who you are, which is just a feeling. Everything in your being is about feeling. Everything. Your heart, your seven energy centers if you want to go there. You know what isn't a feeling being is your mind. And yet your mind can lead to feelings. I'll be talking about that in another episode too, is how to discriminate and distinguish between the two. So that you can sink into that who you are within what you are feeling of being once and for all and be your own authority because that's the whole point of why i'm talking about authority is not for it to be some because i said so i'm the authority thing it's actually passive and yet the most powerful thing there is like with love it's unconditional because it's passive you can't make someone love you you can't make yourself love yourself you can't make yourself know who you are through your mind because your mind is a collection of ideas that were put there and built there from the time you were born. In fact, starting a fair bit after, you couldn't even conceptualize until you started to learn language and words and watch others use them and learn from observation and repetition and association and perceiving and at that point, we start perceiving from a mind-based perspective. And thus, automatically, the mind becomes the authority over our lives. And that's where we lose track of ourselves. Not completely. Although I would argue that those at the very peak of what we call success in the business world, in the religious world, in the corporate world, in the political world, are the ones that are the most dissociated from an authentic who they are because they can accumulate all of what they do through the ego with the ego defending it validating it and yet no associated ill feeling for not taking care of the world around them as they go and the humanity around them as they go because that's the collateral damage i speak of if we're all in this together well Who's saying that? The ego? Because when I hear that from people who already have everything they'll ever need in this lifetime, I'm a little cynical. 
because I know it's the ego saying that and not the heart because the heart would be like, we're all in this together and oh my God, all this stuff I've accumulated, how can I help others with it? That would be the only sane, compassionate thought for that person because it would feel fantastic to do that. And I know that because I don't have much, but I'm pretty constantly helping and sharing and giving away what little I do have because it comes back to me as a feeling. I'm not doing it for that reason, but it feels damn good to help someone, especially when that's all you have to offer is the wholeness of your being, holding space for someone, being there for someone when they need you. There may not be anything better than that as far as feeling in this lifetime. So I think that's all I wanted to say again on authority. I'm sure it's going to come up again. And I will, of course, be speaking in depth about ways to circumvent the ego's ideas of authority and get to the who you are behind all those ideas and concepts and pointing to the work of a lot of others who have also pointed to this for millennia and recent examples of people who have very, very good pointers on ways there, knowing there isn't one way there. And I think that's about it for today. So hope you enjoy. If you have any questions, comments, if you want to hear anything specific addressed from what I said, feel free to send me an email, steve at illuminatingthedisconnect.com, and I will get back to you. Thank you, and take care. Hello, fellow humans, and thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, ever since I got this thing started, which was years in the making, I've been excited about uh, doing this and only this. It's what gives me the most pleasure in life is helping others help themselves. And it's actually what I know the best, despite all the other things I've studied for and uh, have had as careers, as experiences, as hobbies, as connections with life. This is it. So to that end, if you'd like to experience, if you'd like to support a very simple human Doing this, it doesn't take much for me to survive, and anything over and above that that I ever make from this will always go back into helping others directly. And you can support me by finding me on Red Circle Podcasts, which may be where you're listening. Uh, there's a donating information there. I also have an account with something called Libra Pay, where you can find me as Steve Alat, or you can send... Uh, a donation through PayPal, steve at illuminatingthedisconnect.com. If any of those aren't sufficient or fail, send me an email. Again, steve at illuminatingthedisconnect.com. We can figure something out. And uh, thanks for listening. I really, really hope it helps. And if it does, do send me a message. Thanks for your support.